The Echo Chamber, brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Sponsored by The Bullet Group, putting you in tomorrow's conversations today. Ladies and gentlemen, good morning. This is Arun Sudaman from The Homes Report. We're recording this Echo Chamber podcast, not quite live, but in Cannes. Uh, and I'm with Janet Ballas. Janet, um, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself and your title, because you have a really interesting role. Sure. So at EY, I'm our global advisory leader for media and entertainment and our America's marketing practice leader. Mm-hmm which means that basically I sit at the intersection of media and marketing. So our consulting business to the media and entertainment companies, and then the CMOs that obviously are keenly interested in taking advantage of that landscape. So you're right at the intersection, in a way, of kind of all of the trends that people talk about in Cannes. Absolutely. It's It's all happening right now. Right. All right. Well, we'll talk about some of those trends in a little bit, but I wanted to start with your career, because you've had quite an interesting career. I mean, you've had um, quite a diversity of experience coming into your role at EY. I wonder if you could perhaps talk us through a little bit in terms of some of the uh, the, the positions you've held. Sure. So I, I think that the theme throughout all the moments of my career has been sitting at the cusp of a moment of disruption, mm-hmm. right? At where a business model was changing, a consumer engagement model was engaging, uh, was changing, and uh, and so it's been a, a remarkable opportunity to shape my perspective and build a network of people who help me think together. Because I think no one has all the answers at this moment. We have to sort of build that collective wisdom. So I, I began my uh, career. I won't go back into the early early history, but um, my coming out of business school, I actually started. Uh, at an internet startup. I founded that coming out of business school. I then went to Time Warner for nine years. I worked both pre and post the infamous AOL Time Warner merger. So first on the Time Inc. side, leading digital, and so sitting inside of a traditional media business Mm -hmm. when digital was really emerging um, and still quite nascent, you know, as part of the the business mix. Then went over to AOL to lead sales development uh, for the company across all the brands like MoviePhone, AIM, uh, AOL, of course. Lived through the walled garden, free Mm -hmm. model decisions that AOL contemplated at that moment. I then went off and started my own company where I hired only working moms Mm -hmm. and built a consultancy to the media and entertainment industry. Uh, which I did for a couple of years and worked with large-scale media companies like Discovery and the Weather Channel um, and Turner Broadcasting, mm-hmm. which uh, obviously all the names have, have since changed. Yeah, sure. And then I went to Martha Stewart, where I led the media business across broadcast, digital, and print, then went back to AOL under Tim Armstrong, very different AOL, still mm-hmm. spelled the same way, but a very different spun-out company. Mm-hmm. And then I had the opportunity to first lead the strategy and solutions there, and then become the publisher of the Huffington Post. At that point, uh, I was fortunate to go to an incubator of uh, amazing companies, a studio of digital startups Mm -hmm. called Betaworks, where I was uh, a partner and led our innovation lab, sort of bringing together small and amazing startups with large-scale companies that were hoping to tap into that uh, innovation. Mm -hmm. And then I landed at EY. Mm -hmm. So... 
I, you know, I think all of those different moments had to do with the key trends that are happening, the trend towards cross-platform, the emergence of digital, mm -hmm. uh, where consumer behavior shifted away from, from traditional media, the notion that we had to sort of balance advertising-supported businesses and subscriber-supported businesses. All of those trends have been, are moments and very relevant now, but have been emerging throughout all of those different transitions in my career. Mm. Yeah. It's Really fascinating, actually, to, to hear about the different roles you've held. Before we talk a little bit about some of the trends coming out of Cannes, what advice would you give to someone when they're looking to build their career? What would you say you've learned from, from your experiences? I think from a career standpoint, the most important thing is to be open to new things. Mm -hmm. I think that whether I started in early, way back early days, I actually wanted to be a journalist, and before that I wanted to be a biochemist. I think it's important to just explore different things. And the more things one tries and experiences, I think the more relevant you become over time because you have sort of this collective set of experiences that allows you to relate to different roles, different people, different types yeah. of, uh, of experiences and business models and leadership opportunities. So I feel like exploration is an incredibly important part of career journey and it's easier to do that in the earlier stages of one's career. So mm -hmm. trying lots of things I think is really important. Yeah. I think at one point I was, uh, I was a Crane's 40 under 40 and, uh, and the headline was Dabbler finds her footing on the web. And I thought, wow, I, I don't really know whether to be happy about this or the, the honor or be incredibly offended that I've been called a dabbler. But I actually think that purposeful dabbling mm -hmm. can be extremely important. And then the other piece of advice is your, uh, your collective asset, your cumulative asset is the power of your network. Yeah. And so just building great relationships and keeping them relevant and being present for people in your life and, and supporting their careers and, and their ambition uh, is always a great piece of advice that I would take to heart. It's funny they call it dabbling. I mean, you know, nowadays everyone needs to have a side hustle, right? So, yes, uh, everybody has to have a side hustle. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about Cannes. And um, what would you say is top of mind for the media companies and media platforms here this week? For the media companies that are here, I think it's really about their business model transition. You've got a, a transition from a world of decentralized, vital brands that in a past life were destinations. Mm -hmm. They were powerful, they attracted consumers through the power of their content and the power of their brands. And of course, what, what, what would make a media company successful before is far from what makes media companies thrive today. Mm -hmm. Today, it's not enough to have great content. It's not enough to have a great brand. It's, in fact, I could argue, uh, it's hard to build a media brand and the notion of what a media brand even is has yes. really changed quite a lot. Today, we're seeing sort of two major trends. One is horizontal integration, mm -hmm. where portfolios expand by building businesses around a larger set of brands that come to market as media companies. And the other model that we're certainly seeing here is what I would call the new stack. Mm -hmm. So here I don't mean a technology stack, but really a business model stack or the fundamentals, which is content, data, which is, uh, requires you to have direct access to consumers, mm -hmm. and technology. Mm -hmm. And so we're starting to see a number of different large-scale media companies follow that pattern of content, data and consumer access, and technology, which is different than the model of great content, great distribution, and great monetization. Are there any particular media companies that you think are doing the second one of those trends particularly well? 
Well, I think there are a number of companies that would fit that model. You yeah. could look at, I think, Comcast mm -hmm. after the NBCU uh, um, merger, obviously, was one of the early uh, companies that really showed that model of content distribution, access to customers, and, and technology. Of course, we now see newer stacks in the you know Warner Media, AT and T, Xander Universe, and beyond, which which fit that. I think each company is pursuing it in a slightly different way with a particular emphasis. Mm -hmm. But to me, that stack is emerging as a, a vital element of successful strategy. And the first trend you mentioned with that kind of portfolio strategy, what would examples of that be? I think if you look at something like Discovery Scripts, mm -hmm. where you start to apply your distribution and your sales strategy across a broader set of brands mm -hmm. after a, a merger. And I do think, obviously, there's a, been a lot of M&A activity in the media and entertainment sector, mm -hmm. uh, certainly yeah. Disney, Fox, and other things. Uh, and so I think that we're seeing the notion of scale become incredibly important as a mm -hmm. counterpoint to the extreme fragmentation that we've been seeing for years from a consumer behavior standpoint. And this notion of building platforms of scale, which then build business models of scale, mm -hmm. uh, is increasingly important. And does that now happen with or without the likes of Facebook and Google? Because it does seem like that relationship between, let's say, the media companies and the big tech, tech platforms become a little bit uneasy. I don't know that it's uneasy to work with the technology platforms, I think they're pursuing very different models. I think we're seeing a broader debate over closed and open architecture. Mm -hmm. And I think the question becomes, can one continue to build scale without using those, those uh, particular platforms? How do you work with them? What's the right balance between your own growth and distributing on those platforms? I mean, clearly those technology platforms have been a great source of growth when utilized properly mm -hmm. for large-scale media brands. It became a wonderful distribution point for many of them yeah. uh, when used correctly. But I think the dependency on some of those technology platforms probably made many media companies uneasy. And so you start to see some of that control shifting back towards their own entities as they build their own platforms, their own access to customers. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that that scale and audience is incredibly important. But again, now it's not just raw scale of audience, it's the power of data and technology in combination with that. And one can't simply be beholden to the notion of great brands and premium content. Sure. And in terms of those big tech platforms, I mean, obviously Facebook has faced uh, numerous challenges, let's say, over the last couple of years. Is there anything you're hearing or seeing this week in terms of the concerns from them? I think more broadly, the theme that I heard, I was on a panel yesterday, certainly from large-scale brands, we're hearing overall concerns about the regulatory and privacy environment and what's going to happen in a world where data is so critical to driving better creative and better targeting. Mm -hmm. We have to be very sensitive to the needs to protect consumers, to keep data secure, to make sure that we're managing it, stewarding it responsibly. And we've got a number of governments around the world that are contemplating, and locally, that are contemplating what the right balance is. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's probably the, the biggest question mark for many people right now, which is, mm -hmm. How will those entities be regulated? How will the broader topic of data be regulated? And what are the implications for brands who are seeking to use that ecosystem to market themselves and for the media companies that depend on it and the platforms that depend on it to drive their business and their value? Mm, okay. Let's talk a little bit about agencies. Um, obviously, you, you work at a management consultancy, uh, walk past the yachts and 
you can see where the action is, often by seeing how many people are on different yachts, I find. Uh, I mean, I've been coming to Cannes for, this is my 11th year, and I've never seen such a, such a big presence from management consultancies. Are agencies right uh, to feel under threat from the rise of management consultancies? So I think seeing management consultancies come into the broader ecosystem of creativity, marketing, and media is a natural because there's a certain degree of strategic and operational rigor and discipline that's required to thrive at this particular moment. And I think the pure hubris of creativity and ideas, while I prize the art of the craft, has to be pursued in balance with the business stewardship and responsibility that's required to really scale a business at, at this particular moment. So I think that's a natural. I think we have a distinctive position relative to the role of, of consultancies in this landscape. Mm. EY has uh, been deeply committed to the agency landscape and the clients and the intersection of them as well. And so when I say that, what I mean is we are not focused on the notion of being the creative or media agency. We mm -hmm. want to help marketers be the best marketers they can possibly be. Right. We work with a number of different agencies. We want to help them thrive in their transformation. And quite frankly, there's a lot of opportunity to help clients and agencies work better together. Clearly, many clients are challenging the notion of what the right balance is of things that they should be doing themselves, what things should be outsourced to not just agencies, but a number of technology and data vendors and other media partners. And there's no question that that balance is shifting and the pendulum will likely shift one way, the other way, and right back again, because uh, we've been at this long enough to know that sometimes the pendulum swings too far in any one direction. Mm -hmm. But I, as one looks at that landscape, there's no question that there are certain specialties that are very well served by having the buying power, the specific expertise of the right person in the right place to help execute that, but the wiring, the operational rigor to get the data signals and the communication, the collaboration to really connect the dots is something that's been missing. And so we're really focused on helping marketers and agencies connect those dots and really move from thinking about campaigns to customers. Okay. A really nice turn of phrase you used there, the, the, the hubris of creativity. Do you feel that the inroads uh, management consultancies have made into that kind of marketing ecosystem is perhaps a response to the hubris of creativity? Look, I think creativity and data have to be kept in fine balance and the same with technology. There's no question at the end of the day, we're trying to build stories with humans. Mm -hmm. And so if we lose our respect for the art of the craft, if we lose our respect for creativity, I think we'll be quite lost. And you know, there's, there's quite a bit of debate over what's more important right now. Is it creativity or is it targeting? Right now we're so focused on advanced advertising, the ability to find precise audiences and reach them. And that is absolutely critical, but it's in balance. You know, for example, right now we're very focused on performance marketing mm -hmm. because digital's trained us to appreciate uh, the value of things that can be measured and attributed in different ways than perhaps traditional media enabled us to do. But at the same time, when you look at the most successful direct-to-consumer brands, they prize the opportunity to use mass marketing and brand marketing in combination and in fine balance with that performance marketing. 
So once again, the pendulum sometimes swings too far in one direction. We have these balancing acts that need to be achieved. So to me, it's not about walking away from creativity at all. It's about making sure that one takes full advantage of it. And I think we're at an interesting moment where it's not clear who will solve the problem, but with the level of sophistication we have in targeting, we're far from matching that to the level of sophistication of different, not just versions, but different creative styles that would better optimize and connect. The future state, if we go really far out into the future, essentially would say that every moment that we have an opportunity to touch a customer, consumer, whether it's B2B or B2C, um, it, whether it's in our customer care, like a call center, or it's a chat bot, or it's AI driven, or it's a broadcast commercial, or it's a digital ad, all of these things are touch points that can be optimized both for their creative and for how and where they're reaching the individual and when they're reaching the individual and how they're reaching the individual. So you end up with this remarkably complex set of variables that needs to be optimized. There's no question that AI will play a better role, but we have to have both things in play. We have to have the right placement and the right message. Sure. So I think there's a long way to go before that's fully realized. Okay. Yeah, it's a fascinating moment as, as, you, as you put it. Um, so, as you mentioned, you also sit at that intersection where you can see what's happening, I think, in terms of the marketing function, in terms of the work CMOs are doing. How do you see um, the transformation of the CMO role? So, we're at a fascinating moment, you used that word a moment ago, uh, for CMOs, because on the one hand, they have more responsibility and accountability than ever before mm -hmm. to own the end-to-end -end brand promise. And yet, so many of the touch points that accrue to that brand promise don't necessarily report to the CMO. Right. We could look at customer experience, we could look at distribution strategy. On some level, all these things factor into how a, a customer perceives a brand. Mm -hmm. So it's a very challenging moment for CMOs. And in the same way that media companies thrived through fierce decentralization and brand identity, many consumer brands and even B2B brands thrive by the notion of people fiercely focusing on individual businesses, rolling them up to larger companies and making them successful. Mm. And as we shift to the power of networked assets mm -hmm. and the power of companies becoming platforms themselves, mm. part of the fundamental platform that underpins them is the data and technology. And the CMO, in combination with the CIO, mm. has responsibility for stewarding that digital transformation. It's a very different relationship with customer data, which now needs to cross a variety of organizational, political, technological silos. Mm -hmm. Nobody's short of data, but bringing it together in a way that makes it actionable, we're very focused on that with CMOs today. Mm -hmm. We're also very focused on taking that data and then plugging it into the right experience technology stack. So we can call it MarTech, AdTech, anything mm -hmm. in between. But we have to be able to connect the internal activations that a brand will manage and should manage on their own with the external activations that they may be turning to their agency. All those data signals need to be linked, and they're often not. So there's a lot of heavy lifting for CMOs to do to transform that operating model around, uh, around how they operate with technology and data. And then the op model itself how does a CMO organize their own organization? What are the skills that they need to have? How do they collaborate with the rest of the C-suite, with a chief digital officer, a CIO, a CTO, a CISO? You can go across the entire C-suite 
And they really need to work together very differently, including the CFO, because the kinds of investments that they need to make are so different. And then ultimately how they wire themselves to their external partners. So when I say we're not focused on the executional side of the agency, it's because there's so much value to be created by helping CMOs thrive in their transformation of their own organization and strategy, helping agencies be better prepared for the future state and helping them link together more effectively. That's when we'll see marketers, I think, really be able to take advantage of this whole ecosystem. Mm. I mean, it sounds a little bit to me like you're describing a shift, maybe once again, actually, given what you've said throughout this podcast, from a kind of creative engagement communication model to something more scientific in terms of what is required of marketers. Do you think, is that too simplistic? An analysis. Well, I would go back to, I think these are all balancing acts. So mm. in the same way I talked about the balancing act between creativity and data and technology, I think similarly one has to balance the art and the science of this all. Sure. There's no question though, to your point, there is more science than ever before. Right. And if one underplays the importance of being comfortable with utilizing that science, it's very hard to responsibly steward the dollars that mm. one can put into the marketing landscape responsibly because to maximize both the short-term return on investment and the longer-term return on investment, there's no question that data plays a larger and larger role. Everywhere you walk on the quasette here, you're hearing AI, AI. Okay, AI is fantastic, no mm -hmm. question, but AI is underpinned by data. Mm -hmm. And so if we don't create that body of data that feeds AI, we can't drive the right algorithms or the right business outcomes. Mm -hmm. So having more discipline around data and technology and a philosophy which, which is deeply committed to that is foundational. And I think one of the things that's, that's really interesting is we're so focused on marketing here. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really just the tip of the spear. When you take the human on the other side of the equation, they're not just looking at the brand promise mm -hmm. through the lens of advertising. Yeah. They look at it seamlessly across every place they experience the brand, whether it's mm -hmm. at a retail location, e-commerce, yeah. call center, or advertising, or employees. Mm -hmm. Increasingly, we're seeing some form of stewardship for employees or HR start to have a dotted line or direct relationship with the CMO. Mm -hmm. Why? Because that's an expression of the brand. So as that complexity increases and as more things are digital, we have the opportunity to connect the dots, mm. but it's incumbent on us to actually do that. Yeah. And that transformation is going to be a long time in the making because even if we connect the dots for marketing, mm. we still have to connect marketing to the entire customer experience. Right. And so that's to me the really exciting reason why we have to be committed to the art and the science because mm -hmm. that world becomes so complex that one cannot manage all the variables through simply human throughput. Mm. We have to start to leverage data technology and machine learning, artificial intelligence, and the whole spectrum of things around automation in fine balance. In fact, one of the things we're doing right now is just low-hanging fruit, looking at all the opportunities to take things that should be easy and mm -hmm. make them easy in marketing. Right. There's a lot of opportunity around robotic process automation, mm -hmm. which may sound really strange to talk about here, but if you think about marketing, there are a lot of ads to put a lot of places mm. to be priced and billed and all sorts of other things that happen mm. um, and invoice and all that good stuff. Well, there's a lot of that today that is utterly and completely manual, often mm. sitting in spreadsheets that are right. that humans transform one place to another. Yeah. So we're pretty far away from, I think, the ambition, the aspiration, and some of the talk that we all have and mm. the enthusiasm and excitement we have around data and technology. We have to really lean into it 
at scale to realize where we're going to go from here. Mm. And do you, do you think these, this shift, as you've described it, does it put CMOs and or the marketing function under threat? Oh, I think it empowers the CMO okay. function. I think the CMO it should really feel excited. It's sort of a, a contradiction, right? You've got both the accountability and sort of the, the perhaps the sword at one's back, you know, an, an inch away, but at the same time, the largest stage ever in the company because brand equity and performance marketing, all of these different things are one of the largest value creators inside of companies that's now recognized. We can be both art and science driven in our approaches to build brands. And there's a lot of value that, that can be created. So we have to empower CMOs, but give them the resources and the discipline, um, both financial and operational, um, you know, to, to thrive in their roles and balancing all the things that we've been talking about, creativity and data, mm -hmm. the current state and the future state. And ultimately, I think that the CMO together with the CIO owns probably one of the most important agendas in any company, which is the data-driven agenda. And I don't mean just data-driven marketing. Today, and most CMOs are very focused right now on how they grow their first party data. Mm -hmm. Today, that data might be used to acquire new names, to get more, uh, tar better targeting out of one's media buys, better lookalike, all that good stuff. That's the low hanging fruit. In a world where traditional media becomes addressable, and we're on the cusp of that for many forms of traditional media, obviously linear television being one of the most important ones, so we can see that fluidity between OTT, VOD, and linear, and digital. But then when you move towards the integrated customer experience that I was talking about, when you move towards the innovation agenda that you can only see by looking at the patterns and the data science that sits behind how consumers are re reacting to things, yeah. that entire future state of being able to optimize and grow is driven off of data. Mm. And the two people who are closest to being able to drive that inside the organization mm. everywhere I've been are the CMO and the CIO. Mm. So that partnership together with the support and the stewardship of a CFO mm -hmm. is really what's going to drive the future value creation of companies because we're in a shift from a CMO focusing on return on ad spend mm -hmm. and managing that campaign to focusing on return on customer impact, mm -hmm. which is you know, the, the full end-to-end -end connected value of understanding all the interactions that happen across a smarter experience. Now, at the Homes Report, we focus primarily on the public relations industry. And I don't know how familiar you are with that industry specifically, but one of their big goals um, like every agency discipline perhaps, is to play a more central brand building role, um, which is a role that I think traditionally has been denied them um, for, for various reasons. But they would say they have a, a, a unique view of the stakeholder landscape. From your perspective, do you see any particular opportunities for PR agencies? Well, I think what's really interesting, if we go back to the conversation we had about the notion of creativity and targeting, mm. If you look at rapid-fire storytelling mm -hmm. and real-time storytelling, actually PR agencies are among the best positioned mm -hmm. to uh, be able to create lots of stories in a short period of time, sort of on deadline, to yeah. you know, to, to really create that energy and excitement around a new product launch, to manage through a crisis. I mean, these are the things that PR agencies are incredibly well uh, attuned to. So I think the transition is. I think the power of PR agencies really was in their lists and their contacts, mm. their ability to 
in many cases, manufacture the right volume of creative storytelling mm -hmm. in the right venues to generate the impressions that they needed to. Um, so those are great skills now to apply exactly to this universe we've just been talking about, which mm -hmm. is data and technology meets that creativity. Right. So I think the lines are going to blur, they'll continue to blur, mm. but I actually think the rapid-fire storytelling of PR agencies is an interesting skill to lean into in a world where targeting has been more sophisticated, mm -hmm. but creative is perhaps still a matching luggage set um, that, that's going into very precise uh, venues, but without the level of precision in the storytelling. So I think that might be an area for PR agencies to exploit as the lines continue to blur. Mm -hmm. And essentially we end up with technology vendors, media companies, technology platforms, uh, PR agencies, traditional agencies, and all of the above ending up essentially in the, in the consultancies that you mentioned mm -hmm. earlier, ending up in the same world. There's, everyone comes with their unique strengths and their mm -hmm. unique attributes, and I think the question is what's the right mix and how quickly can you round out the weaknesses mm -hmm. uh, to really thrive in that competitive landscape. Yeah, it's a really interesting way of looking at it. How quickly can you round out the weaknesses? Um, so final question for you. So EY's been running the, um, the question platform at Cam Lions, which I find really useful because I can just write loads of questions and, and you know, they get asked on stage, which is nice. Um, and it's the better questions hashtag. And I think I saw on social media that you're asking, asking people to put forward if they could ask one question at Cam Lion, what would it be? So I've got to ask you, if, if I was to ask you to, to ask one question at Cam Lions, what would it be? Oh, it's, so, it's so difficult because there's so many questions I think we're all asking here and, uh, and you've asked some fantastic ones here. But I think, first and foremost, I would say this notion of questions is very important because we have to have the humility to know that none of us have all the right answers at this moment. And it's yeah. really the intellectual rigor of forming the right questions that will help us all thrive as we continue to be disrupted. But if I had one question in the context of Khan and this festival of creativity, it would be, how can we move from campaigns to connected customer impact? Mm. Okay, excellent. Well, Janet, thank you so much for your time. I know you've got an incredibly busy week because you are in high demand and for good reason. Thank you so much for being on the Echo Chamber. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Great. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back soon. You've been listening to the Echo Chamber. Brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by Marketeers. Sponsored by The Bullet Group. Putting you in tomorrow's conversations today. Today.